glad you could join us for episode 109 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne. And how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Dave. You know, especially uh, now we got two great shows that we are rocking now, and it's, uh, it's actually pretty exciting. Yeah, but I'll tell you, I, I, on many levels, I'm bummed out because they keep putting out new shows, and... While I'm really happy to be doing Dark Angel and Firefly, uh, there's just so many shows I want to podcast, just not enough hours in the day, days in the week. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of going back and looking at something, you know, from the past and everything too, though, because if nothing else, we know, you know, there's no, this, none of this anxiety or whether, will it be renewed or anything like that? You know, we've, we've got a definite beginning and definite ending. Yep. And and I did retweet and I, I apologize. I forget who actually tweeted it to begin with, but it was an article that appeared, gosh, I want to say in Blaster, but uh, like top 10 TV, sci-fi TV shows that, you know, deserve a second look. And of course, uh, you know, Dark Angel was, I believe, number one on there. So really? Uh, yeah. But anyway, I, I posted a link to it on the Facebook group. And I believe also uh, I retweeted whoever it was that uh, tweeted it to begin with. So well, that's cool. Yeah. But tonight we're here to continue our discussion of Joss Whedon's space western Firefly, who which inexplicably was not on that list. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, how does Firefly not make that list? I uh, know. Uh, starring Nathan Fillion and Jewel State. Yeah, you know, it was really funny because I rewatched it uh, last night and then watched the Castle season finale. Like, I know it's a couple weeks late, right after it. And it was just kind of the contrasting Nathan Fillion then and now. He's still, you know, I mean, probably put a couple pounds, but otherwise very much yeah. the same character, you know, kind of. Absolutely. But you're, you're going to just let that go? I, uh, let me repeat. I said starring Nathan Fillion and Jewel State. Oh, yeah, come on. well, come on. I, I gave you crap last, well, two weeks ago. See, that's the thing. It was two weeks ago. I forgot I was supposed to give you crap whenever you didn't say Summer Glau. And now you're just going to spite me. Exactly. You're just it doing purpose. it to spite me now. I, I did. I did. <laughs> so, all right. Well, talking about hopefully not spiting us, uh, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can or- talk about how mean Dave is to me. Exactly. At the website where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab, you can record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And hopefully you'll consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussion there. And, you know, I I just want to take a second. Uh, We we don't have any listener feedback this week, so it's a perfect time to acknowledge all the listeners who've been favoriting, retweeting our Twitter posts. Uh, Kimmy at Dark Angel Underground, of course, Gabriella G., at Gabby G77, uh, Betty Days, thank you, Jensen Ackles, Val, at Val from Rome, uh, Scarlet, actually, I think it was Scarlet that posted that uh, article now that I think about it, at Volta1228, uh, Jenna, at Ms. Jenna, Denise, at NV Ghost 5 Benita Butler at Yagabon and of course, Davia Archibald. And, you know, that's just for starters. We'll acknowledge more next time, but uh, really appreciate it. And, and, you know, a lot of good links get posted as well. Yep. Yeah. We appreciate it for sure. All right. Just real quickly, you have to have heard about the fact that the Supergirl pilot has leaked to the internet. I mean, it's not due to air until November on CBS Oh, how did that happen? Yeah, well, you know, much like the Fringe podcast of many years ago that leaked onto the internet, and then eventually, I think, for the most part, we determined that Fox actually leaked it. Right, well, they did that with uh, Almost Human, too, right? Did they? Okay. I'm pretty sure that they did, yeah. And I'm not convinced that CBS didn't do it with Supergirl. Uh, The copy is really sharp, no watermarks. I have seen it. And I may end up doing a take five about it. I know you haven't seen it yet. It's really good. I was expecting to be underwhelmed by it, but I really, really enjoyed it. Well, I think we're kind of waiting for this wave to finally break. Like there's been a lot of superhero uh, shows out there and so far so good, right? I mean, they've all been pretty good, you know, but ultimately there's going to be one that's not going to be good. It's going to happen. Um, and, but doesn't sound like a Supergirl is going to be the one that the wave breaks on, though, huh? 
Yeah, I hope not. In fact, I was thinking today I'm going to have to alert my brother, who was a huge Smallville fan, that, <sighs> you know, because he probably doesn't. He probably knows Supergirl's coming, but he has no idea which century. So I'll have to let him know. Um, but uh, a little bit of show news tonight. Uh, we'll talk about Jewel State, who plays Kaylee Fry on Firefly. And she's got a current project, which is a TV film called Personal Effects, starring Ryan Robbins and John Cassini, who some of the listeners may know as Marco from Continuum. And it's got a 2015 release date. And, you know, IMDb generally lists the actors in order of billing, and she's got top billing in this. Ryan Robbins is second. So, you know, and and obviously he's right up there in terms of the first gentleman of sci-fi. He seems to have been in everything. Yeah, yeah, he's up there. Uh, She's also got a movie that's due for a September 2015 release called 40 Below and Falling. And IMDb describes it as a romantic comedy about the adventures of a small-town teacher, Kate Carter, going back to the city for her wedding. After a blizzard strikes, she's forced to travel with a stranger named Redford who leaves her questioning her future plans. And, And again, I think she's the focal point of this film. And then lastly, a film in post-production for a 2016 release called How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town. And it's a comedy starring, Uh among others, Lauren Holly, who I know from NCIS as director Jenny Shepard. I remember as the former Mrs. James Carey. Oh, good point. Uh, Christian Brune, who you know as Donnie from Orphan Black, uh, Allison's husband. And then Christine Horn who played the keeper in Lost Girl, who was the the head of the Una Men's. Okay. So, yeah. So, cool. uh, so it was someone that I thought I'd recognize from stuff when we were doing Lost Girl, and then I was wrong, though. Yeah. But Jewel State surprisingly turned up about a, lo- a while ago in an episode of Supernatural, uh, and guess what the, her character's name was? Kaylee. No, Amy Pond. <laughs> really? Yeah. I love it. So, yeah, it was a great episode. She was a, a someone from the, the boys' past who uh, um, was a, I believe she was, I think she was a vampire. She's some kind of, of creature and everything. It was a really excellent episode. She was great. In, and, you know, obviously when you see her pop up in something, it always kind of, you know, kicks up the, uh, the excitement level of the whole episode anyway, you know. Yeah, because I did mention last week or last time she was in The Killing, which was uh, obviously a non-genre show, but she was awesome in that. But uh, why don't we take a look at Firefly, Episode 2, The Train Job, written by Joss Whedon and Tim Minear, directed by Joss Whedon, and it aired September 20th, 2002. And produced by? Who? Ben Edlund. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But you know, you know he wrote a couple of these episodes, right? Uh, I did not. No, I haven't been looking yeah. ahead. Yeah, he he writes. I I don't remember. I haven't looked ahead, but I just I remember that he's done. Well, probably because he's my favorite TV writer. Might be a reason I know that, but yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we open in an Alliance-friendly bar on Unification Day, six years after the Alliance put down the brown coats, and you know that that gives us some sort of a timeline to well, work with. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Dave, but I'm not actually really sorry. I wouldn't do it, right? But I just think. You know, obviously we talk about, and we, we haven't really talked about the whole situation with Firefly, but this is the show that Fox decided to put out as the first show. Like they didn't run the pilot the first week, they ran the train job. And so I was wondering, because we have that extended voiceover uh, by Preacher Book kind of explaining everything that kind of happened in the previous episode. I wonder if th- that was written in just because they did that, which is, you know, like one of the class, I mean, the, the, the way that Fox screwed up Firefly are like legendary, right? It's, oh like, yeah. Um, but, and this is like the big one, right? This is like the huge, the most mind numbingly boneheaded, bizarre mistake ever, um, that the, the decision to go with the train job, the train job is a great episode, but it's not a, it's not a pilot. It's not, it's not, it doesn't introduce you to the characters that well. Uh, some of the characters really aren't even in it that much. And so it's just, uh, you know, to, the, there's always this kind of mixed feeling I have watching the train job. I, I try to enjoy it in and of itself, 
but in the back of my mind, there's always this thing saying, God, why, 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 why? You know, the whole time you're watching it. Well, yeah. I mean, the bar scene makes so much more sense having seen Serenity. Right. One and two. And, and yeah, so I agree with you. And I think I even tweeted that out the other day, you know, what made them think that was a good idea. But the, the thing I noticed, and I know you really like this bar scene and I, you know, I started thinking like, oh, it reminds me of the bar scene in Star Wars. I'm like, nah, you can't compare it to, you know, <laughs> everything like that. I mean, it's real like the typical old West town. Yes. Uh, Mal goes in and, you know, we come to find out that he does this every, every year on this date. He tries to find an Alliance friendly bar and apparently pick a fight with somebody. Yeah. It's a way, it's a way to cope. Right now, Jane mentions that he didn't fight in the war. I wonder why. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a little younger, I guess, partly maybe, but I don't know, maybe not a lot younger. Or maybe he just doesn't care. You know, he just doesn't really. Well, he's not a a carer. And actually, we will see um, some of Jane's backstory in a later uh, episode. Right. And we are going to have to try to keep everything spoiler free. Right. Right. True. I'll try to. Sorry. Uh, No, that's okay. (laughs) But but yeah, I think his his character is just he's not the kind of guy to, to jump in. You know, as we've already seen that, he's definitely a hang back and let's see who's winning the fight before I jump in on it. Though he does help out Mal with this fight. Well, yeah, and he just does it, I just think, for the fun of it. And, you know, in keeping with the the feel of the show, we're in an old west town, except when they throw him through the window, it's some sort of a force field. Right, or uh, not even just like like an image of a window or something. Right, exactly. It's not um, satisfying without the broken glass and everything, but much safer, I guess. Right. Now, in the end, Wash saves Zoe, Mal, and Jane from getting shot by bringing the ship overhead, threatening to blow a hole in the moon. Of course, uh, as they mentioned when they get back on the ship, transport ships have no guns, but these guys didn't know about it. Uh, but obviously, they were there primarily to find a job, and Right. Well, we see that because the uh, the waitress hands Mal yeah. a little piece of paper right at the very beginning of the episode. Right. And then when they get back, we've got some crime to be done. Yeah. There's also some because you know, we talk about obviously the Old West comparisons are – it's not like hidden. <laughs> it's, it's out there. They're obvious. Um, but, you know, Mal says before they get on to Serenity, he says, I'm thinking we'll rise again. You know, and so we see that he is kind of like, you know, the, um, you know, a Confederate soldier, like in, in the American Civil War. Um, his attitude very similar in a lot of ways. And so you got guys like, I mean, the most famous, like the outlaw Josie Wales, right, as an ex-Confederate sure. soldier that is now kind of uh, striking out on his own. So I, you know, I like that that whole will rise again, um, you know, as a. That kind of, I, I guess I'd noticed that before, but it's always kind of like a cool little homage there, I guess. Yeah, and you know, the funny thing about this episode that, you know, in many ways, it is just simply a procedural. It, it is the classic train heist and not any different than countless train jobs we've seen in Westerns of the 40s and 50s. But when you really examine it, it's so much more because, yes, one storyline is the train job itself. But the rest of it is, I think, the rest of the crew coming to terms with their situation and how they fit in. Because obviously we've got the core crew, but now you've got, you know, River, uh, you've got uh, Simon, you've got Shepherd book and to a certain extent we find out that inara has only been on there eight months yeah and they are still you know kind of dealing with each other the only two people well three i guess are zoe mal and kaylee are kind of like the only ones that seem to have like a lot of familiarity with one another but uh you know another aspect is that your usual heist you know show or movie there's really no moral questioning of the actual heist itself, right? I mean, that's the goal. That's the whole point. You watch Ocean's 12 and you don't, you're not saying, should they maybe not be doing this? It's illegal what they're doing. Um, but usually the guy they're stealing from is some kind of bad guy. So we don't question it, right? Sure. And so when they first pick up this job, it's the same thing. They need to survive. They need the money. 
there's no question. There's no moral quandary. There's no asking what are we stealing? Where are these things going? Anything? But then that's exactly what it turns into, though. When they learn the truth about what they've stolen, um, that the heist uh, cliche genre kind of gets turned on its head there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, we start with perhaps the most enigmatic character in the show, and, and that's, of course, River. And she wakes up after remembering, gosh, it looked like needles, probes, electrodes attached to her head. And, and oh, it's just really disgusting. I, I was like, she was yeah. part of the Academy. And, and it's terrifying to her. And, and the problem is that Simon still doesn't know what they did to her. So he doesn't really know what he can do to help her recover. And, and you know, while he's comforting her, you know, Mal comes into the med unit to rinse the blood off his knuckles. And here's River recount all the serial and model numbers of Serenity. And it's really the first inkling we get that, you know, she is different. You know, we, we heard him, Simon, that is, recount earlier about how gifted she is in virtually everything. So at least some sort of a savant. You know, you notice when Simon says, well, you can tell me about, and she actually puts her hands up as if she's trying to fend off something. Um, you know, this is just why, you know, Summer Glau certainly at least deserves to be in the second time that you say who it stars. She should have been in that list. Okay. Well, maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other interesting thing, you know, then Malcolm leaves and she says, Mal, bad. In the Latin. So what does she mean? I mean, mal, I, I think even in French, it means uh, bad. Yeah, in Spanish too. But that's because they're both derived from Latin. Right. But but what does she mean by that? I mean, is there some sort of double meaning? I mean, she must have picked up that he's a thief. But you know, does, it, does she sus- simply suspect that he doesn't have her best intentions in mind? Because we don't really know yet. I mean, we certainly hear what Jane thinks later on. It's something where, you know, I mean, uh, Joss Whedon picked this name purposefully, right? He named him Malcolm and has him called Mal and, you know, well aware that Mal in Latin and Spanish and French means bad. But there is a dark side to Malcolm Reynolds, right? There, yeah. we, we see that. I mean, he is not uncomfortable with ending human life. Um, you know, when at the end, he, he doesn't blink. But... Obviously, he's not a dark character overall. I mean, there is some darkness to him. There is some badness to him, and, and there's some goodness to him, as as there are in most human beings. You know. Um, well, I mean, that's what makes him so fascinating. I mean, he's not even the classic anti-hero, because one of the things about this episode, we see several instances where the whole idea of you know what the morally right thing to do is and, and it and it goes into conflict with him being a thief and a criminal and all that and, and i mean the next thing you know book runs into mal in one of the passageways and starts that conversation about what simon gave up to rescue his sister you know he had a well-paid job central plan it's pretty cushy and then he wants to know well why did you even take them in for somebody that wants to fly under the alliance radar and he's really trying to get at you know, what Malcolm's real intentions are. And, and I guess he's maybe even suspicious a bit at this point. Well, sure. And, and because it is, uh, you know, someone who just only knows uh, Mal on a superficial level would question it. You notice like Zoe and Kaylee don't question at all. Right. They have, yeah. they, they know he's a good man. They know that he is a basically uh, a, a moral person, um, so they don't question. It's only the people like Book who doesn't know him and Jane who clearly doesn't know him, who you know wonder or speculate that the reason he has the Tams on board is for some kind of nefarious or selfish reason. Right, turn him in for the reward, and and and, and Book kind of even takes it a step further, and he says, "Look." you don't even like him. It seems like an awfully big risk. What's the deal? And Malcolm says, what well, was the right thing to do? And then Mal turns the table and asks book why he's there. Shouldn't you be out preaching? And he says, well, there's plenty of heathens right here. And Mal retorts again. We talked about this last time. Well, you're welcome on my boat. God ain't. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's you know we saw that that tremendous change that occurred in, from a guy who wore a cross and believed that God is good and looking out for them to being the total opposite to being someone who you know won't even allow a, a dinner prayer to be said in his presence. Right, and this will be an int- uh, relationship that'll be really interesting to watch it unfold because on the surface you'd think Malcolm doesn't want anything to do with him. And I don't think it's so much book as it is God. And, you know, we talked about that again last time as well. You know, what was it that, that caused that break? We then see Inara doing Kaylee's hair. And I love this pairing, you know, it introduces the bond that the two have. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's an unexpected connection, but Kaylee it's just she seems so fresh-faced, you know, that that whole right off the farm, and she's got all this curiosity about the outside world, and, and I just loved it. But then again, like, she is, you know, totally comfortable with helping pull off a heist and things like that, you know, so she's this real contradiction in terms, um, but, she, but she is, like, kind of a, she's just kind of balanced between, like, naive and experienced that... She understands some things of this world, and obviously, being a mechanic on a ship, you have to—you can't be a head in the clouds type person. But other times, she seems like this kind of bright-eyed, sweet, innocent, naive uh, individual. And it's funny to see her, and you know, kind of—I wouldn't call Inara necessarily hardened, but someone who knows people and knows probably a bit about the the darker aspects of human nature, um, you know. Those two together, it is, they seem to be a contrast in personalities, but yet um, they, they work really well together. They get along and they, they fit really well in the, the scene together, you know? Well, yeah, and, we've, and we learn a little bit more each time about the companion and, and the companion's uh, place in their society. And we find out that guild law states that a companion can choose her client, which fascinates Kaylee, who then asks her, well, you know, haven't you had somebody that was so physically repulsive that, you know, it just was really difficult for you to go through? And she gets into that that little talk about, you know, it's not so much appearance, it's compatibility of spirit. And then, of course, that's when Mal barges in, making fun <laughs> of what she's saying. Right. And, and then she chastises him for entering without permission. And he says, well, I thought it was kind of manly and impulsive myself. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and that's part of it because he doesn't quite respect Inara's space, right? Yeah. But we also know that part of the reason he does this is because he's fascinated with her and is romantically interested in her. Yeah. Um, and so popping by unannounced is you know just something he's not doing necessarily as a power play, but it is rude, and you know like. Even still, like some of the things, the way he talks to her, it's still not very nice a lot of times, but she gets a little revenge, though. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Kaylee with her head in the clouds. This is also when Mal says, what the hell's going on in the engine room? You got wires everywhere. Uh, you know, she's like, well, I, you know, I didn't have parts. I had to jury rig things. He goes, well, were there monkeys? <laughs> and uh you know again just some really great lines from yeah him. that was a good one. And, and that's one of those uh from out of nowhere like were they monkeys like monkeys like <laughs> right where that exactly all right well she leaves and then inara asks him what he wants and and he's there because the job they're going to do involves some it seems more than usual risk more than usual unsavory characters with which they'll have to, or with whom they'll have to deal and then Mal tells Inara that she's going to be confined to the ship when they land on the Skyplex run by Nishka. And, you know, at the end, we find out he's just worried for her safety. Right. And we also see some more about their kind of like working relationship in that he's supposed to find her decent places to land, right, where she can drum up some business. Right. Um, and I think we already know from the first episode that, she's there to lend some respectability to and credibility to him. So it's kind of this symbiotic relationship they have going here. And, uh, but, but yeah, but his real reason here is yeah, to protect her. Right. And, and in this scene, it's really difficult to not notice that, you know, they're, they're standing face to face really close to each other. You know, not that we think that there's anything that's going to happen, but, but certainly, 
we know there's a little bit of sexual tension there. And a then little she, bit. Yeah, and then she remarks about him being a gentleman, you know, that uh, she thinks she's seen everything now. Yeah, and this, you know, you start to reflect now, and it's just um, probably the Inara-Malcolm relationship is just like a shipper's nightmare, right? But, uh, but you know, we see here that th- this, how it, it plays off of each other, They're, they both are attracted to each other, but it's just not happening. Like they're part and mostly because they're both too proud to, you know, no one wants to take that risk of being the one to stick his or her neck out and say, you know, say something that would turn this into a relationship. Right. Because it can't, it really can't be like Matt. She can, she, her, her job dictates that she's not a, a one guy woman. Right. Right. And then meanwhile, Kaylee has a crush on Simon, who I don't think really has any idea yet. He He's so fixated on his sister. And, and of course, that's understandable. Um, well, we're in the dining area now. Inara comes in. And, and again, one of those interesting pairings that got diffused early on in the pilot. She finds book reading. I assume he's reading some sort of religious text, whether the Bible, you know, who knows. And he asks her how she thinks the caper is going. That's when we learn that she's been on Serenity for eight months. And he even says that I'm surprised a respectable companion would agree to sail with this crew. And I think what comes out of this scene more than anything, and what comes out of, I think this episode for a lot of them, that he's now just looking for his purpose. You know, how does he fit in? How does he assimilate into this crew? He says, I want to help. I mean, not with the thieving, Right. Well, and also the there is we see that you know, we know that Mal has feelings for her, and now we see that those feelings are reciprocated because you know she says, "Well, you can pray for him," and then um, Book says oh. something like, "You know, I don't I don't know if he would want me to," and she said, "Do it anyway." You know, I do. Right. Exactly. And very telling scene. And and, and I I almost wish they'd extended that scene just a little bit to see Shepard Book's reaction to that and maybe even, whoa, you do what? Right, right. But then that goes back to the scene when he wouldn't let them let him say grace at dinner. Everybody else said grace silently. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mentioned Simon and Kaylee and Simon asks her what they're doing. And, and you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, she's very comfortable with the thieving and she just tells him very matter-of-factly, we're pulling a train heist. And she goes through all the steps. So you've done this before? Hell no, she yeah. tells him. Yeah, and then, he's, like, and, she's just, he's like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, crime. Yeah, <laughs> just like, yeah, crime, no biggie. Right. But like Book, I think Simon feels like there's something he could be doing. And Jane, of course, just tells him, stay out of the damn way. Right. And I, I guess I started thinking at this point, well, what makes Jane think that he's in charge while Mal and Zoe are away? But, you know, I guess he is. I mean, Wash clearly isn't a leader. He's an awesome pilot, no question. Kaylee, right. not not a leader, yeah. but an awesome ship's mechanic. So I guess by default, and you wonder whether Malcolm ever actually said, when I'm off the ship, you're in charge, or whether Jane just is taking it upon himself. Well, I think it goes down to the rule is if you have to say you're in charge, then you're not. Good you know? point. And that's but basically what, what Jane finds out here. Like and he, he repeatedly like he's like trying to legitimize himself. But the thing here though is that it's as if he's trying to undermine Malcolm's authority. He he tells Kaylee that he figures Mal's considering giving up Simon and River for the reward. And we don't know whether this is true or if he's just throwing it out there to see how she re- she'll react. But I mean, there's no indication we've seen out of Malcolm Reynolds that he would do such a thing. So why is Jane doing it? Well, I think that Jane is projecting here a little bit because that's what he would do. That's what he would because, do. Yeah. Right. So he says, well, if that's what I'm thinking he should do, then clearly Malcolm is thinking the same thing. And, and he's not. He's clearly not. But that's just Jane is, and, and we we see here, you know, again, we saw it last episode in this one that he is, uh, it's, he's a great guy in a fight, but is he trustworthy? 
not so much. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know, onto the train job itself and it's not, you know, of the focal point of the episode in, in many ways, but you know, Mal, Zoe and Jane travel to this space station where they meet Adeline Nishka, the man with the job. And he tells them that the train has something I need. You've worked a train before he asks. And, and of course uh, they tell him yes, many times, but they start discussing reputations and Nishka you know, tells him you're, you know, you've got the reputation for a, as a man who gets the job done, but, you know, then he goes into that whole thing, but it's uh, you know, reputations are rumor and, and hearsay and all this. He opens the door and he shows that guy hanging upside down. I was, at first I thought it, it was in the middle of a torture scene, but I guess we find later that he's already dead. Yeah. And in fact, it's his nephew. <laughs> yeah. Well, he says his wife's nephew, but I'm like, well, doesn't that right. make him your nephew as well? Like, um, so, but, but yeah, so that's, that's harsh. And I mean, but before we see that, I mean, he is like super menacing. Like you think he's an older gentleman in a suit. So with glasses and everything. So not really menacing, right? Just oh. nice grandfatherly type guy. No, super menacing. Uh, well, I mean, my question is knowing this now, why does Malcolm accept the job? I mean, is he that desperate? Does he feel like, okay, I've gone this far, uh, this guy, like you said, is pretty menacing. I, you know, I can't refuse it at this point. I've come too far. Yeah. I think a, yeah, they've gone too far, right? And he can't, I don't think, I think if he refuses a job at this point, he probably dies. The, the second thing that they're that desperate, right? That they really, really need the money. Yeah. The ship is in bad shape. Needs a lot of retrofitting, of course. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, and it just seems like a simple job get on the train, remove two boxes, you know, yeah. contain Alliance goods. That's but, it. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So we, we see Malcolm and Zoe are on the train. A maglev train too. Okay. What does that mean? Like, so that we actually have, it's the technology we have now. Um, our trains that they don't, the train doesn't actually sit on the rail. It actually has, it's uh, oh, it rails magnetized and the bottom part of the train is magnetized and it creates a barrier between them. And you drive the train, not through an engine, but by turning the, the current on and off uh, of the magnet on the rail that forces the train forward. It's awesome. They go super fast. All right. A little mini project X. A little mini house. project X. I, once again, uh, I have to give credit to Josh and Chuck for stuff you should know. They did a whole episode on that. But, All right. Well, cool. So. All right, well, yeah. well, well, they decide, okay, we need to start moving. So they, you know, they get from get up from their seats, they go down the end of that car, they go into another car, and then all of a sudden they're confronted with a car full of Alliance soldiers. Row raggy. Exactly. It's like, you know, was there something they didn't tell us? Yeah. But then they start seeing women and children coming in from the other way, and they figure, oh, okay, well, we'll just go, you know, and they just walk through, and nobody pays them any mind at all because it doesn't appear that they're guarding whatever it is that they're stealing. So on the yeah, other hand, and, and well, and we're kind of seeing the, the Alliance is kind of like as a uh, very bureaucratic and uncaring, right? Like, yeah, they they got a bunch of medicine. It's really important to the people that they're, it's going to, which we don't know yet, but um, these guys are of no really concern at all of guarding it or worrying about it or anything. That's, of course, they may not even know it's there. Well, well, exactly. Why don't they know it's there, right? Yeah. You think someone should be like, okay, this is really important medicine. These people really need this. Put a guard on this so no one tries to steal it as it's a high-risk thing to be stolen. Well, you know, one Nothing. of the other dynamics that that we see evolving here is the one between Zoe and Malcolm, of course. And she's the voice of reason that, you know, whether or not they're guarding it doesn't matter. I don't know that this is a good idea. And of course he thinks it's fun because we'll get one over on the Alliance. I mean, Hey, we're outnumbered two to 20 and yet we're going to win this one, sir. I think you have a problem with your brain being missing. <laughs> yeah. He says, hell, I'd, this job I'd pull for free. Yeah. You know? like now he's just like, oh, this is to put one over the alliance. Yes. It's, now it's even better. Now, I wonder how come nobody's noticed that Serenity is following the train. Yeah, there is that. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we were nitpick, as I know I want to do. All right, we'll let that one go. Yeah, you know, I think just in the in the interest of of the narrative, they just kind of 
Yeah, got to let it go, yeah. All right, well, Mal and Zoe enter the car. They find the crates and prepare for the next step, which is Jane dropping into the moving train, which is pretty cool in and of itself. Uh, you know, hooking a cable to the crates and then no, Kaylee, and that, the hat he has on too. Right. And then Kaylee brings it back up. And, you know, I started to think like, you know what, this is going to be cool. They're going to, you know, do the job, get away. Everything's going to be okay, which will be totally unusual for a train heist. Right. But no, last second, the Alliance soldiers enter the car. Next thing you know, we get, we see Jane get shot in the leg and, I'm wondering, do they kill the soldiers? I mean, you mentioned a few minutes ago about Malcolm having no problem killing when necessary. You know, so he has that dark side. So I'm not sure if he just disabled. I'm thinking he disabled them because my question was going to be, do you kill them so they can't identify you? You know? Right. Well, no, and we, right. Well, they didn't kill him because uh, the federal guy later says, you know, my guy couldn't identify him. Exactly, right. So we do find that out. and But, of course, the good play would have been to kill him, but, you know, that that's Malcolm. Now, I did notice, though, after the train stops, they get off. I guess they're questioning all the different passengers. He's not wearing his usual coat. I didn't notice when he switched. Um, I think, didn't they? Or did he I mean, have it on the whole time? I didn't. I think he had it on the whole time. Okay, the short coat that he's wearing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I was wondering, so. uh, in the, he's carrying a a bag or like some kind of briefcase. I was wondering if he just switched him. He has that in there because I don't know what else he would have. Right. No, I think that they were in kind of in costume the the whole time. Because okay. remember, they were on the train as as a couple. Right. Right. So. You know, while they're waiting in the street, they overhear what it is that they've stolen, and it's medicine that these people were waiting for and really need. And he, you know, he just really feels compassion for these people because he sees that that you know, in many cases, they're dying, and now he's pissed off yep. that that this is what he's been asked to steal. And, son of a bitch, right? So you know, the thief with the heart of gold, whatever. You know, certainly a man of principle. It also establishes that his core crew is really good at what they do. I mean, Wash is a great pilot. Like we said, Kaylee's mechanical. And then Jane's physical prowess. I mean, who else could have pulled that off? Right. Yeah. Who else would wear a hat like that? And, and actually, who else would have <laughs> would have pulled that off? I, I think Zoe probably could have, but would like, are you crazy, sir? Well, and, and it's funny because especially with Jane taking over and like him basically wanting to, to take off and and leave everyone behind, um, you know, like Mal and Zoe kind of took one on the team for you or you know, took one on the chin for you, buddy. You know, like they, yeah, they got stuck. They got left, but it's because they were covering so Jane could get out of there, you know? Well, we'll get to that in a second because that's really a big plot point here uh but but before that we're on board that alliance ship and we learn what it is that they stole which was six crates of pascal and d and you know the alliance officer says well that'll get you a tidy fortune on the black market but he's not interested in it he just wants to get the train moving and has no interest in investigating the stolen cargo so clearly whatever he's into has a much higher priority than investigating some stolen medicine. Right. And it also shows you the uncaring, cold-hearted nature of the Alliance, right? They don't, oh, exactly. They don't give a crap about this, you know, podunk outer world. You know, what do they, what do they care? They've right. got other concerns and I'm not even going to give you a manpower to help out. It's, you know, it's, it's on you. Right. And now, uh, in contrast, the, the you know the final storyline. Now, what what do we do with the medicine? What do we do about the fact that Mal and Zoe aren't back on the ship? So, as the crew argues whether to do the deal, even though Mal and Zoe aren't back, River speaks and says they'll never stop coming after what was taken. So now the question is: She referring to the herself or the stolen medicine? Yeah. Um, well. A little both, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and again, uh, we still don't know yet what her deal is. But then she starts reciting that two by two hands of blue, which you know I googled, and the only thing that comes up is firefly. Firefly, so, right. you know. 
Yeah. Um, but Book has apparently heard of Nishka and suggests that, you know, maybe we should be a little late since he's expecting to meet with Malcolm and that if you go in Malcolm's place, he may not take too kindly to that. Well, that, you know, and that's, that's also, and even the, the characters are like, whoa, like, you know, how's there a preacher who knows like about Nishka and who thinks to do something like that, you know? Well, well right. And he was wondering, you know, at the beginning of the episode, what his purpose was. And, and you're starting to see, well, maybe it is, you know, as some sort of a uh, ambassador, so to speak, to use the term that they were using or at the beginning to make fun of Anara. Um, so then we see Mal and Zoe being questioned by the local authorities. And I wish I'd looked up that actor's name. You and I were talking about oh, I got it earlier. Uh, Greg Henry. Okay. That, that he's just that guy that anytime you see him, oh, I know that guy. Yeah. He, he's a big, I know that guy. Um, and I think I can never think of where I saw him, but then like I looked on IMDB and like, he's been in tons of things I see, but it's like an episode here, an episode there. So I don't know if I can remember him per se, but I always remember him. You know, like I, I know I've seen him someplace else. Well, he was in an episode of Castle, actually. Yeah, and he's been in, um, like I think uh, he's been in the X Files. I think I think he's been on Fringe. So yeah, he's just he, he's he's that guy. Yeah, but I, what comes out of that conversation though is we find out a little bit more about the kinds of worlds we're dealing with out on the fringes that every planet that's been terraformed for human life develops its own little quirks. And that's what's going on here that these people have developed some sort of a syndrome. And he goes on and explains something about the mind and the, right. well, there's never like a, a, a mind that's like safe and good for your health to work in. Well, no question. And, th and this yeah. uh, leads to a degenerative bone disease. And you can even see this guy's got it. And mm -hmm. well, he even mentions he's got it, but yeah. you can see him limping. And then when Mal's story about he and Zoe just looking for work starts to fall apart, you know, he's, he's one step ahead. He's done this before. Uh, he finds out that the guy with the supposed job killed himself months ago. He goes, well, then would his job be open? Yeah. <laughs> like, nice. Like, yeah, Mal done, just sir. never, never doesn't blink. Yeah. Sticks, sticks, stays on script. Yeah. Yeah, that was right. great. Right. Now, you were mentioning a minute ago, you know, we're, we're back on the ship and the crew's arguing. Jane thinks he's in charge. Orders Wash to fly to make the drop with Nishka, obviously abandoning Mal and Zoe. But all of a sudden, you start to see something's not quite right with him. And then all of a sudden he just passes out and the doc doped him. Yeah. But before that is a classic line. It's like, you know, a chain of command is like the chain. Oh, yeah. It's a chain I beat you with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot that one. That is yeah. awesome. Um, so. Yeah. And then book kind of takes charge again and suggests someone respectable enough could go in there and rescue Mal and Zoe. And of course he's referring to Inara and I just one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode, she goes in and the first thing she does is just smack him in the face. Yeah. Mal yeah. that is. Yeah. Like I said earlier, you know, like this is all payback, you know, like for every rude thing he's ever said to her, she's going to get him back. Yep. Uh, tells the sheriff that he's her indentured man and, you know, she's able to get both he and Zoe back onto Serenity, but really their problems are just kind of beginning. Mal and Zoe plan to return the drugs and the money to Nishka, which obviously he went through the whole scenario when they met to begin with that should something go wrong, I'm not going to take too kindly to it. So then Inara immediately offers her shuttle. You know, Malcolm says, no, 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 you've done enough. And then Nishka's thug shows up. And again, who is this guy? Where do I know him from? Yeah. That, that great movie about college football with James Caan called The Program. And he was, ironically enough, in that movie, he had face paint all over himself. Yeah. But uh, I guess to mask his uh, steroid well, he was, use. Yeah, he, well, because you remember he like was taking steroids. He was like painting up his face and acting crazy. And then he felt bad. So he stopped taking steroids and then he sucked. Yeah. 
<laughs> and so he started taking steroids again, and his face is all paid, like even worse this time around. James Conn just looks at him like all disappointed and everything, just like. Yep. And I love uh, that movie. Right. So, so Malcolm tries to explain to him, look, I'm going to give you uh, back the money, you know, no harm, no foul, change my mind. There is no mind changing. And of course, a gun and fist fight ensues, and and Mal's about to have a knife thrown into him when Jane takes the guy out with a shot to the knee. Well, he does get a knife thrown into him. Like well, the whole fight starts with the guy throws a knife into Mal's shoulder, right? Well, right, but I mean, at this point, this is going to kill him. I mean, this is close right, range, right, right, right. and he shoots him in the knee. Nice shot, Mal tells him. I was aiming for his head which is one of those lines that's gotten used in a castle episode castles in the, in an alley somewhere. And then he shoots the bad guy. And sure, the knee, I, 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 I feel like that line has probably been in like a lot of other shows. Uh, you're probably right. Like, you know. So, but, but yeah, but anytime, uh, a, and, 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 uh, firefly lines do pop up in castle like all the time. So all the time, Zoe and Mal return the crates to the planet. And, and the plan is to just leave them there and then notify the sheriff when they're in, quote, deep, deep space. But the sheriff says, well, why don't you tell me yourself? Because he's standing right there. And then there's that 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 dialogue that the sheriff knows what Mao's done, and, and he respects what Mao's done. It says that when a man realizes all the details, he's got a choice to make, and Mao disagrees. Nope, there is no choice. You do the right thing, which yeah. is what uh, is becoming the norm here. Right. And we see that about Mount. Yeah. The, that when it gets down to it, like, again, there's your answer to your question. Why does he have river and Simon on the boat? Because it's the right thing to do. Exactly. And this is everything we need to know about Malcolm Reynolds. Right. And his experiences in the war and everything. Yes. They've made him more jaded, but it haven't, he hasn't lost his humanity and and this is uh clearly shown in this episode right now he gives the the thug leader with the face painting and the bullet in his knee a chance you know he gives him that speech about returning the money we'll stay out of your way you stay out of ours and i'm gonna hunt you down okay boop shoves him out the airlock next man up is a little more agreeable well, it wasn't the airlock. He shoves him into the engine. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, it's the oh, engine. Nice. Even better. <laughs> yeah. So, like you said, I mean, it, it, you know, the guy said, I want to hunt you today. And Malcolm just goes, darn, and then kicks him. And, you know, so again, this, I, we saw it last time when he shot the uh, the Fed. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, you know, he, he's, when it comes to protecting his own, um, he has no problem. Taking human life, plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, closing scene: Simon stitching up Mal's chest knife wound, and you know, Mal. I don't know that he's softening about River, but he asks about her, and Simon tells him that you know, one moment she's cogent, the next minute she's childlike, and then we hear her continuing to repeat that two by two hands of blue. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll find out what. The significance of that is well, we see the significance in the next scene. But what I, you know, what I like about this is that they are finally talking to each other, like seemingly as equals, right? Before it's always been Malcolm kind of holding the reins over Simon, and actually, I, I don't know if they had any kind of conversation at all that wasn't antagonistic in the in Serenity Parts One and Two. Um, and here it is; it's just two guys talking, you know. Okay. And it uh, shows a little bit of that kind of uh, maybe some understanding coming between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, well, we end up on the Alliance ship from the beginning of the episode, and there are two government men speaking to the captain who thinks they're there about the stolen medicine. They show a photo of River establishing that the Alliance is making a concerted effort to recover her, and episode ends at that point. But on their hands... Go ahead, say it. The blue gloves. The blue gloves, right. So, yeah. Um, which we're like, what's that all about? Which obviously we don't know, but it does harken back to, you know, the, the rhyme she was saying. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what have we learned? What questions do we have? Well, you know, while there's a fine line between right and wrong for most of us, it's strictly black and white for Malcolm Reynolds, I mean, it seems. And, and that other than Jane, 
the rest of the crew support him in in whatever moral ethical decision he makes. So you know how that's going to play out is certainly something to watch. Obviously, the alliance wants River back. What did they do to her? Why do they want her back so badly? Well, you know, obviously, wherever she was, I mean, it, we know that it, Simon took a lot of resources and a lot of effort for him to get her out of there. Whatever she was, it, it was a place that was very well protected. So it must be pretty, pretty important and or, you know, a secret that they don't want to get out. Right. And then, you know, how will Shepard book Simon and River assimilate into the crew. I mean, Shepard book, I think took a giant step into, you know, finding what his purpose might be. And while Simon certainly is now the ship's doctor, I think it's going to have to be a little bit more than that. And then that leaves river of course. So who is just, (laughs) she hasn't even taken that first baby step yet. Right. So, you know, I, I really, on on the first watch through, okay, hey, this is a good episode. I liked it, but second time you really start thinking about it, it, it is it's so much deeper. I think that than you you realize the first time you watch it. Yeah, and even like you kind of go back to the very first scene where Mal and Zoe are playing Chinese checkers, and he makes a quote unquote bold move that turns out to be a bad move, right? And that's kind of foreshadowing there because that's kind of what happens. Not just in this episode, but in episodes to come. So, all right. Anything else you want to say about this one? Nope. Okay. A lot of fun. I'm really enjoying this because, like I said, I've this is only the second time I've seen these episodes. So I know for you, it's probably about the fourth or fifth at least. Yes, but. I don't even know how many times, but it's still. I love going back to it. I would probably be doing it anyway. Uh, if we weren't podcasting on it, I'd probably still be watching yep. these episodes because they're just awesome and no matter how many times i watch them uh, i honestly it's still like as fresh as the first time it seems like and uh it's great there's just so many nuances to it you know all right well we want to thank you for joining us tonight we'd love to hear from you about firefly dark angel or anything else you think we should be watching we'd also like to encourage you to join the facebook group and if you're already a member spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we'll be back next week with dark angel season two episode two titled bagum but until then you know i'd like that they had actually the uh kind of the motto i think for our english department at school is no feds just an honest brawl between folks <laughs>